This very special bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore is brought to you by our generous listener supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you appreciate what we do and would like to join them, go to dollamore.com slash PayPal or dollamore.com slash Patreon. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, everybody, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us this very special bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host. Nice to meet you. And I'm joined by my lovely and talented co-host, Brittany Page. That's right. Wow. Lovely and talented. Lovely and talented. All right. Well, Bonus. Bonus episode. Bonus time. Bonus. Not normal. No. It's a bonus. It's a bonus. <laughs> and it's a great bonus episode. We're really excited about this one. We went to Patreon, the convention for Patreon creators. Yes. And we got to meet a lot of interesting people. Yes. Sometimes Fellow creators. That is right. Sometimes you meet people that kind of resonate with you, though. You know, that you, <laughs> you, well, you know, you meet a lot of people and some uh-huh. people are, you know, not worth thinking about again. And some people oh. are like, oh, I really like that person. Oh. And this guest today is one of those. One of the, the, the latter. The latter. <laughs> the latter, not, not the former. Um. Not a well, I guess a, is a creator, but not was there as a uh, speaker, as a speaker, or yeah, presenter. A, as a yeah, I don't know that held one of the they do breakout sessions where you go in and you get taught or you get information, and yeah. this was one of the teachers, yes, one of the purveyors of wisdom and knowledge, mm-hmm. <laughs> correct. So. She st- struck such a chord with me and Brittany mm-hmm. that we decided let's have her on the show. I think we decided within by the end of Patreon that we for sure wanted to have her on the show. So yeah, well, we met her on the second day, and you went to her class. Mm-hmm. I did not, yeah. and then we went to the after party where the after party, yeah. like the the wrap up party. The well, whatever, and they had treats and drinks, and it was a fun time. They had um, a maple bourbon smash that was made with Aunt Jemima syrup, you know. <laughs> it's It was false advertising, to say the <laughs> least. Um, but it, but we sat there and talked to her, you know, Like all the whole night. night. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. So, yeah. So, we decided, come on the show, let's have a chat, and that's what we're doing. That is right. Perfect. So, let's just do this. Let's just jump right into the interview, and uh, we hope you guys enjoy. Lisa Rowland... Thank you for joining us. We are seriously thrilled to have you on the program. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, and I'm thrilled to be having a chat with you. So thanks for having me. I was just saying prior to us turning the mics on and connecting with you that every once in a while you find you you connect with someone Mm -hmm. that you are... I, I don't want to overstate it, although I am apparently the king of misrepresentation. Um, <laughs> I uh, think that Jesse's getting ready to say that Lisa is his new best friend. Yeah. Like is that what's I'm, happening? You're enamored by someone when you first <laughs> meet them and you think they're just fucking awesome. Yeah. 
and you are you are that. <laughs> Very nice. It's funny. I had a I had a, a similar experience in terms of feeling like oh these people are so easy to talk to right away. And there's also the fact that you and I are both big redheads and loud. And I was like, oh, it's kind of like we're family. And that's kind of what it felt like. Yeah, it's it, it was. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's it's it felt like oh, I made friends, and these are my these are my new friends. Well, we 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 haven't talked about how we met at yes. the Patricon. Patricon. Yeah, yeah, that we were. It was in between um sessions like there's four that they break up the day into several different classes that you break out into and you you have to choose which class you want to go to which ones and so the ones for that particular period of time after lunch they didn't really appeal to me so the one that kind of I kind of got roped into it because it was all that was left was this improv class <laughs> and I was not thrilled about it in fact when we came back from lunch you were gonna skip it I was that was my plan I'm yeah. skipping this thing and so we sat down in this common area on these couches and we started talking to this 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 girl we're yeah. talking to her and and uh it turns out that that was lo- Lisa <laughs> right? and she goes oh yeah I'm Lisa <laughs> Roland I'm t- planning to skip which you informed me of that is exactly right. I was I and I said that. I said, "Oh. Oh, you're Oh yeah, you're teaching that one. I was I was going to skip that, but now that we've been talking to you, now I'm going to go because I think it would be cool and it was my favorite thing of the entire Patreon. That's totally cool. That's awesome. That's totally, it's it always feels good to have a convert. Somebody who's like, "Ah, no, it's not my thing. Not into it. Not going to go." And then they end up having a good time. It's like feels so great. Well, I wonder it, if that's typical. Lisa, do you notice that, that people are kind of hesitant at first and kind of nervous and then you are somehow able to work your magic and make them come alive like you did with Jesse? I like that representation of it. I, <laughs> I, I, without exception, find that when people, if they have not chosen to do improv, that if they are, they're there because somebody's asked them to or their boss has sent them or it's like a team building thing and they're not like, yeah, improv, that sounds great. They are um, skeptical and judgmental and scared. <laughs> All of those things at the top. And it's like, I've got to do a little bit of work yeah. to say, all right, okay, I know. I know you probably think this is going to be lame and that's okay. You don't have to think it's going to be awesome, but do it anyway. Uh, and, uh, and, and sort of work around the skepticism. And then usually they end up having a good time, which you, is great. You nailed it too. Cause other than the fear, that is exactly what was in my fucking dumb head because I, <laughs> I went in and I kind of, I had to check myself because I caught myself being too cool for school guy. Oh. Like, oh, I'm fucking, I'm way too cool for this goddamn thing. And then as <laughs> soon as we started, it wasn't what I thought it would be. Yeah. And I, I, I loved it. It would be like, what did you, what was your thought? What was your expectation? I don't know. I, well, I don't know. I just, the only thing I have to any frame of reference about improv would be like, uh, you got like you, I thought you would make us like think quick on our feet and like a, like a whose line it is. Is it anyway thing? Mm -hmm. And I just, I wasn't in the mood to perform and I thought it would be, we're going to be, and there was a little bit of that, like with the. When I got chosen to sit on the chair and then they, you know, I was like a human action figure that they could pose me in any crazy way they wanted. Yeah. Um, a little inside baseball for the listeners who don't know what you're referencing. Well, it was how how you can, your message will change. I'm probably going to, again, misrepresent the goddamn thing. But uh, it was how your your message can change 
based on and also how you how you deliver the same message if your your body language is more meek and more introvert I, you I, no, you didn't like the word introverted you explain it lisa how about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah what was the exercise that made jesse realize that he loves improv <laughs> well let's not go crazy <laughs> Yeah, hold on there. Um, so the the things that we were exploring, and I think the name of the workshop was something like the unspoken language, and it was all around nonverbal communication and the ways that we move our body in space and the things that those ways communicate. So the behaviors that we show up with send messages, and if we are, and normally we don't pay any attention to what our bodies are doing, we just let them do whatever they do. And if we realize we have choices around how much space we take up with posture, with eye contact, with volume, with how many fillers we use, with the, you know, the, the comfort and fluidity of our gesturing and our sentences and things like that, regardless of actually the words that we're saying, those things speak volumes. Sometimes they leave a, a stronger and deeper impression than the words that we're, the words that we say. And so the exercise that you're talking about is when we put you in a chair and anybody, and we tried to lower your status. We call it status, sort of behavioral status. Uh, lower your status just in tiny ways. So we sort of explored, all right, if you point your toes toward each other, does that do it? Just like little incrementally, uh, incremental steps down the ladder. And then we incrementally raised your status. And the audience, the rest of the class got to see what a what powerful messages are sent through very small behavioral shifts. I think from from what I gathered, I was probably well not now I'm kind of maybe being a dick, but I I I felt like I was a pretty good choice to be sitting in the chair because I am a big figure, you know, both right. in, in in physical stature and just personality. I'm a big guy, so yeah. when you did, you know, when my I, you make me a little pigeon toed, and it's probably not the correct nomenclature anymore. But and then you know my knees kind of go in, and then you, you want me to kind of slump my shoulders forward. All of that probably took the larger than life kind of goofy character that I am into something way more meek and and subdued and it probably yeah. was a lot a, a pretty big you know sea change Sift. yeah it's fascinating with people like you who sort of naturally take up space with your energy <laughs> and with your stature like you're just sort of naturally high status you, yeah. you show up and people know you're in the room and and working against that is really fun like it's a really dynamic it's a really dynamic situation. So let's, we're, we love you so much. We just jumped right in and didn't even do the normal thing. How did you get, were you always, cause you are, you're, you're uh, gregarious and, and outgoing and friendly and intelligent and see, I just, I love Lisa. Yeah. 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 And love me some Lisa. <laughs> yes. Um, how did you get into the, imp were you like the class clown in school or what was, what was going on that led you to this? Yeah, that's such a great question. I was not the class clown in school, but I've always, uh, I have always enjoyed performing since I was little. I have liked being in front of people, but I didn't really sort of act out in class. I really did save it for for perform performance, you know, drama and plays and musicals and things like that. And honestly, I start. I feel like improv sort of found me. Like I had my own plans, and improv was like, oh, she's coming with us, because <laughs> it was just sort of kept showing up in my life. So my friends started an improv group that I was not a part of, and then they were like, hey, you should probably do this in high school. That's when it started, and then so I did that, and then I graduated high school and figured I'd never do it again. You know, I was like, okay, that was fun, and now on to my life. And then I, the first thing I did in college was audition for a play, a musical with a bunch of people, 
and I got into the musical and they were all improvisers and they were like, you know, you really should do the improv team here. And so I did it at, in university. And that's, I feel like where I, uh, sort of, it took root. It mm. became, it became a deeper love and passion and conviction of mine that I was like, Oh, this is awesome. This is, uh, this is a real awesome thing. And it's fun to do on stage. And it also has sort of resonances for off stage, which I think we'll get into a little bit, but the, so I did that and then I graduated college and was like, okay, I'm going to go be an actor and figured that if I can find a place to improvise, that's great, but it's not my sort of priority. And I, I auditioned for a bunch of grad schools, didn't get in anywhere. So I stayed in San Francisco and got a job at an improv company and on staff. It's called Bats Improv. It's here in San Francisco. It's a beautiful place and, and group of people was working on the staff there. And then the artistic director was like, you know, why don't you audition for the company? And so I did, and I got in and it's just like, it's been this series of suggestions of, Hey, you ought to be doing this. And so I sort of stopped arguing, you know, <laughs> like I stopped thinking that I, that I wouldn't be doing it. And I, and it's changed my life and it's amazing. And now I travel the world teaching and performing and coaching and it's, the best it's the best did uh w was that something that your parents i know we talked about it you 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 have a, a great awesome envious family situation um <laughs> were you well when you have a dysfunctional goddamn mess that i've got going on it's uh you, you see somebody and it's working you're like ah that's what it's like. Yes. That is why the way it's supposed to be. Yes. Were they, I'm assuming I could probably answer it. They were probably very encouraging. Like if that's what you want to do, you attack that. You do that. Is that how it was? Not exactly. Uh, <laughs> kind of, kind of. In, 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 they were always super supportive of what I wanted to be involved in and try, especially as a kid. And then when it came to majoring in drama and sort of launching in the world of theater, my dad was like, ah, how about we also major in something, you know, real? <laughs> like, why, don't you, why don't you do something that might be taken a little bit more seriously if you have to, you know, apply for a job? I almost said audition for a job. You have to apply for a job <laughs> or interview. Uh, and so I got a double major in psychology and which, right, like that's a way more ap applicable or valuable out in the world. But it felt like people might take it more seriously and then the only other thing, like my dad is, he's a worrier. He was an attorney and he's a worrier and he really loves to help me. And he realized that I was like going off the map in terms of anything he could ever help me with. Cause he had no idea how the world of performing arts works or how one might pursue a goal or like what the systems are. You know, it's like, I'm not on a, you know, yearly promotion schedule. So how does one do this? And I finally just said, Dad, listen, if I'm in a situation where I need to make more money in life, I feel like I have the skills and intelligence to get a job where I'll make more money. So you can just chill out and and I'll be fine. And he was like, OK. And he did. And and now they're in a situation they love what I do. And I think they're sort of like intrigued and amused and stoked about it and 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 excited. They're like really excited for me. I think that's a, a natural reaction to have. In fact, I was listening to Greta Gerwig on Mark Maron's podcast. She's mm. she's the writer and director of Lady Bird, which is 
now like the most successful movie on Rotten Tomatoes with the highest rating and most reviews or whatever. And she was saying that her parents reacted negatively to her saying that she wanted to go into this industry. And her mom even like made her get certified as a paralegal just to have something to (laughs) fall back on. So in case it didn't work out, she would still be able to get a job. Yeah. And it's like a natural, beautiful thing of like, I would just want you to be okay. And I don't know how you'll be okay in this field. Um, I actually just saw Lady Bird today and it was so beautiful. I like loved every moment of it. Um, yeah, but, but once, once my, once I kind of gave my dad an assurance that I would be okay, even if he didn't understand how he actually could sort of, he was like, Oh, okay. All right. And now he's just, he's, he's stoked about it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I, I, in my mind, I have it that as soon as he found out that was the path you were going to go on, he started squirreling away money just in case he needed to help you out. <laughs> and then, and then he finds out, Oh, this is going to work out. Hey, look, we got this little extra money. We can take an awesome trip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's not going to be like living out of gutters. Okay. Well then you and I, you know, Hey honey, let's, let's go on vacation. So did now you, you, you grew up in the, in the Bay area, you went to Stanford um, you have a kind of a hippy dippy um, atmosphere there. You're you're very into mindfulness now. Your your podcast, Monster Baby, kind of joins the two things together: uh, mindfulness and improv. What got you into? Well, first of all, explain to me and the audience exactly <laughs> what mindfulness is. Yeah, that's a great. That's great. So there is a mindfulness is like there are. I feel like there's many ways you could talk about it. But here's a, a working definition that we sort of sort of play with, which is mindfulness is paying attention on purpose to the moment as it to, to the moment as it is and things as they are with curiosity and kindness. So noticing what is happening without judgment or attachment to what ought to be happening, uh, just letting things sort of be where they are and taking this this position of curiosity and kindness towards noticing them and noticing them on purpose. So you have to choose to, to exercise it in a way. Um, I would say that's it. More briefly put, it's like pay attention on purpose, like pay attention, right? Notice what's happening. Notice what, notice your senses, notice your experience, notice your own feelings. So there is this part of it that I find really valuable, which is you move from a place of reactivity to sort of observing your, your hot buttons, you know? So it's like, I have found myself saying things like, oh, wow. When she said that, I noticed that I got so angry about it. Like I felt a a bunch of anger and I have to ask myself what that's about. Like, why did that trigger me so much? Instead of just being like, cause she said a fucked up thing. And of course anybody would be angry. And so I'm fucking angry. You know, like, it's like, oh, check that. Look at this reaction. That's interesting. I wonder what this is about. So that's, that's maybe... Does that get at a, a definition of mindfulness? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're saying don't react like Jesse D about everything. <laughs> effectively what I'm hearing. <laughs> it, is, it is building the skill to make another choice, let us say. It is. It's kind of um, self-therapeutic in a way, wouldn't you say? Uh, can be. Yeah, totally can be. And I think it, in in general, I think it's a good skill to have. The The, th- the interesting thing is that I I don't have, you know, like I work with somebody. So my po- podcast is Monster Baby and my co-host of this podcast is Ted DeMaison, who is a, a, a 
an intense practitioner of mindfulness. He's also an instructor. He teaches mindfulness in the Mindfulness in Schools project. So he works with educators who want to incorporate mindfulness into their classrooms. He's done mindfulness-based stress reduction courses. Like he's very, he's like ensconced in this world. I'm ensconced in the improv world. And what we found is that the two different disciplines sort of get at similar skills, which is that improv Improv, you have to be present if you're going to do improv because everything is happening in the moment. And you have to look at everything for exactly what it is instead of what you want it to be because what you're dealing with is what's in front of you. And you have to look at it as though it's worth playing with because you have to accept the offers that your partner is, is giving you. So all of these sort of maxims or principles of improvisation line up and map onto maxims and principles of mindfulness. And, and it's like more fun to practice. <laughs> so, so I don't have like, I don't meditate every day, but I feel like I get practice in this skill set in through playing. Like I play with people most days. And so I practice noticing my own patterns and trying to break my defaults and exploring sort of uncharted territory in terms of the choices that I'm making and the ways that I'm seeing other people's offers and all of those things that I think are really positive ways of going through the world. I think I think that um, a lot of people think about like mindfulness meditation. And I know Jesse has expressed this opinion before where um, it's like boring. People think it's boring. And <laughs> I think if you think it's boring, that means that maybe you're not doing it right because it's actually really hard to um, be that controlled. And like, I mean, our minds wander. That's what they do. We're so busy. We have so many things to worry about. We're thinking about this. We're thinking about that. And the point of mindfulness is to get a handle on that <laughs> and not be thinking about what's to come, not hmm. be worrying about what's happening in the present and just focus in the moment. And when you try to do that, it's actually pretty difficult, I think. Yeah. I think there's, I think there's a, a misconception that in that meditating is doing nothing. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. like you just sit there and you don't do any, you're just not doing anything, but it really, what it is, I think is, is what my experience of it is you sort of like take a moment and you notice all the things that are happening, right? So the, all the things that you're hearing, that you're feeling, that your brain is doing, the, the shit that your brain recycles, if you give it a moment, the things that it surfaces, notice all the, notice all the thoughts that sort of pass by and cloud your, cloud your mind and then let those go. And, and that's another cool skill is practicing letting thoughts go. So that when you're sitting there in meditation and a thought comes, kind of giving it that moment of, oh, yeah, okay, well, I can let that go and see what else comes. And, hmm. and there's, a, there's like a lot happening, actually. And, it, and a lot of times we don't notice a lot of the things that are happening because we're doing so much. Right. And so if we can sort of quiet for a second, we sort of let some deeper shit surface a little bit. And I think they're... Uh. Yeah, that's it's high. You look, I'm uh, in a lot of ways. I'm a simpleton and I don't know that I have the I don't know. It just maybe I'm afraid of failing at it. So I don't even want to get going with it and then have to like, ah, I'm not good at it or I, I don't know. I don't know why I haven't embraced even giving it a shot. But maybe I should re <laughs> re retry re up. Yeah, I mean. I totally hear you because I don't meditate every day. Like I don't have a, a constant meditation practice and I really would love to do it. The one thing that is cool for me is that 
is that you kind of can't fail at it unless you don't do it. Because <laughs> no matter what, if you're sitting and noticing the moment, you're doing it. So even if you're sitting with like monkey mind for 10 minutes or five minutes or three minutes, and you're like, man, my thoughts are fucking running. You've done it. That's a success. You've that's success. You've done it. You've spent three minutes noticing your thoughts, you know, hmm. noticing your thoughts and noticing your breath. So I think there is this idea that like, oh, no, I'm not good at that because I can't empty my mind for three minutes or five minutes or 10 minutes. And I think that that's a that's not that's not the thing. Like for me, I just consider it a success if I like sit there, even if it's like and I take five breaths and just like feel that just like just feel just feel my breath. Just like get into the moment, feel my feet, feel my breath. Hmm. 30 seconds, you know, it, it counts. It, that's, I've done it successfully. There's also something to be said for just practicing the skill too. So like you said, with failing, well, you're not really failing because you are practicing the skill and each time you attempt to do it, it might get easier or you might, you know, learn something new yeah. and that's, that's always helpful. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I actually feel like that is exactly... It's, it's exactly that idea of not of, of detachment from the outcome. Like it really points to that idea of like, yeah, the more you do it, your experience of it will change. But you've been doing it since square one, even from the time that, you know, you sit down for three minutes and you can't fucking sit still. <laughs> if you're like, oh, man, it's so hard for my body to sit still or it's, I'm having a really hard time keeping my thoughts quiet or whatever. Like you that's it's. Yeah. Like you're saying, it's still a success. So explain if you if you had a a minute or two to to describe the podcast and what you guys do on it. One, I'm dying to know. Is there a story behind the name Monster Baby? <laughs> yes, yes, there is. So so I'll I'll explain what it is and then I'll explain the name. the The podcast is a as we call it a curious romp through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation. So coming coming from sort of bringing both of our expertises. We take a look at the wisdom inherent in the two disciplines as they as they speak to various topics. So we'll pick a topic for every episode that we do, and those topics have been things like gratitude, saying yes, silence, um, aging. Aging, this last uh, one, yeah. What, uh, like, low, so many things. Um, I can't think of any other ones right now, but there's millions of them. There's not. There's 36 of them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we kind of do pick a topic for everyone and we talk about what improv has to say about that topic and what mindfulness has to say about that topic and sort of what nuggets of wisdom might be inside each of those disciplines that might be applicable to your life. Oh, adventure, things like that. And Monster Baby comes from actually a scene that Ted and I did together that embodied this playful, adventurous, collaborative spirit that we both love so much about, about the art form, wherein it was a story that was of a, of a baby with superhuman strength, like was born just this <laughs> sort of, you know, baby of mythical proportions and, and power. And, uh, this sort of monster baby. And I played the baby and I was like lying in the little bassinet in the hospital. And I sort of got up and just kind of threw myself over the edge and started, and I was enormous and started growing and like batting people out of the way and tearing the Y cords out and, you know, <laughs> destroying the building. And he played a, 
he played like an orderly or something and he was backing, he came on stage and he said, no, 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 you can't go in there. And I like backhanded him out of the way. And it was this moment of him saying, no, 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 you can't go in there. Me knowing that what he meant was yes, just, you know, destroy me, like bat, bat me out of your way. And so the, the, the joy of, we didn't know each other very well. So the joy of these like two strangers sort of coming together, playing in this moment for this really fun effect was the thing that sort of got us working together. Uh, we started talking more after that show and just, and figured that we were sort of into the same life work. And when we were thinking about like, well, what do we call this thing? We remembered that scene. And so we called it a monster baby. And there's something kind of cool about the unpredictability of improvisation, the sort of beginner's mind that is, that is evoked from the baby part. Like there are qualities of both monster monstrousness yeah, yeah. and babydom that, uh, that are echoed in the podcast. Yeah. So this is an occupation for you. Um, do you, do you find that there's a, a, a common theme that runs through the reactions of people that would mirror my own? Um, and, do you, I don't know, is is it uh, an easy thing to combat? Have you gotten good at it? Like when you go to like companies and you're doing something for a corporate group or whatever, are you, are there typical things you have to combat with those groups and then others that you find with other, you know, like, I don't know exactly what kind of uh, individuals you t teach or train in this, but do yeah, you? Yeah, I feel like I have the hardest job when, when a group is being forced to be there and have not elected to be there. But in any case... I'm always up against skepticism, and I think it's because people think improv is a little lame and cheesy and corny, and so they're like, oh, Jesus, and they're a little scared because <laughs> because they fear, like you did, that they're going to have to be funny and clever and interesting in front of their peers, which is terribly vulnerable and opens them up for judgment and humiliation, and I can understand why they'd be freaked out about that. And so I always lead with a, hey, I totally get how you're feeling. My guess is that you fear that this is going to be X, Y, and Z. And uh, I'm just going to ask you to withhold that judgment for now. And then as I, as I go, I try, to, I try to do things, especially at the beginning, where they don't have to make anything up. So sort of warm-ups that are really low barrier to entry. And so it's sort of like... I, I earn, I win them. They like, I, I show them they can trust me that I'm not going to make them do something that they are uncomfortable with or that, that is, that's going to make them look or feel bad from the right, from the very get go. And I know that if I throw them into something like that too soon, I'll lose them. But that generally I can work up to that and I can say, great, I need three volunteers to do something in front of the group and there will be volunteers, mm -hmm. which is, which feels like a little victory. Well, I think that's part of what was informing Jesse's perspective, which is probably what most people's perspective is, is when they think improv, they think like performance and comedy. And yeah. that's actually not the only use for improv as evidenced by your career, where you actually like go to businesses and help them with like, I don't know, initiating collaborative projects, probably. Um, can you talk more about the role that improv plays in other areas of life that maybe people wouldn't expect them to play? Yeah, improv is being applied in every area of like professionally, personally. There's actually a group called the Applied Improv Network 
which is a group of people who are using improv principles in, of, in non-theatrical settings. People are using improvisation. So the, the skills of improv are, like the things that improvisers need to be good at in order to do their job is creativity, agility, adaptability, collaboration, observation, paying attention, right? Mm -hmm. Like all of these, all of these things. Yeah. It's great for startups who are also, who also have to do all those things, right? Like people in startup, startup companies are wearing a bunch of different hats and responding to rapidly changing environments, right? Based on what they're doing. It's great for folks who are in healthcare who need to do actually more of the work that you, that we did at Patreon, which is working on bedside manner, paying attention and responding. And that's what improvisers do sort of for a living. And in terms of really noticing their, the signals that their patients are sending and knowing how to, knowing how to, how to make them feel and really be heard and understood is a, is a vital skill. Um, people are using improvisation with folks who are suffering from PTSD because PTSD is a triggering of these memories from the past and anxiety about the future and improv is all about getting present. And so it can really help. It can really be, it can have therapeutic effects in, in those cases as well. Mm -hmm. Of course, in like team building and in creative teams and in collaborations to work at the beginning of a strategic planning session or a conference or a, a, a collaborative process of some sort. Improv is great because it primes all these muscles of paying attention, responding, working together, noticing one another generously and being willing and ready to to leverage each other as resources instead of as competitors. Right. Yeah, I, I something I got out of it. One, the opening um, salvo that that you threw out there. The uh, and I don't know if we, we're gonna you know spill the beans on your trade craft, but when you oh, no. when you were like, okay, this person is um, you're worried about them being a threat, so you don't want to turn your back on them or whatever. And there were the different things where we were like circling, and everybody was kind of apart and spread, and it was chaotic. And then there was one thing at the end where we were supposed to protect the person from another person and then the, all these groups that were this disparate group of, of everybody all spread out all over the room just like magnetically just got slammed together and it was it, it that was that was uh an eye-opener it was amazing for me yeah yeah it's cool it's also nice to like destroy you know personal space boundaries at the beginning of <laughs> workshop. Like, here we are. Let's just, let's relate in a slightly different way than you're used to. Um, but there is something really beautiful about that, that when you look out for each other, when we, need, when we connect ourselves to one another, we get closer. And when we are looking out for ourselves, we get farther away. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, that's simply stated. There you go. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, the other thing that I thought was awesome is that I really took away and I've been trying to kind of implement and put it in, into practice is... Oh. Is well, it's about how much the whole thing and how much space I take up, and I don't mean like man spreading because that that's come on, I, like even in the thing, I'm with my legs are spread apart. I got called out. Oh, man spreading! I'm like it fucking hurts to put my legs together. When ladies, little girls shouldn't be taught. Oh, keep your legs together because that's not a natural way to fucking sit. The natural way to sit is with your legs spread apart. It should just be human spreading. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So anyway, <laughs> get off my fucking soapbox here. Um, so th it was how much space I do take up, and I, I'm a, I'm a touchy guy. I'm, I'm a hugger. I'm, I'm a patter on the back. I'm a grabber of the arm. I'm a the, touch on the shoulders. I'm that guy, 
And yeah. it's not cool for me just to assume that I'm I can do that. And I, I, I don't know if that was meant to be for me to take that away or people if that was kind of a lesson, but I certainly walked away thinking At what point did you receive that lesson? It was um I don't remember the specific exercise. Lisa, you'd have to <laughs> to remember. I think it was I, I don't know if it was the eye contact one. Now we're, you know, talking you know, inside jokes here, yeah. but um I don't know what it was, but whatever it was, it really made me think, and mm-hmm. I have tried to realize, mm-hmm. um, just be aware of it, because it is my natural inclination to mm-hmm. to be a toucher, to be a, you know, not inappropriate. I'm not fucking Harvey Weinstein. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I yeah. just... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just the same way. Like, I'm a toucher as well. I'm like, get, get in there and touch people on the shoulders and whatever, uh, and I think that one of the things that we talked about is, right, taking up space, and when you, and, and whose space you're entitled to, right? Like yeah. the idea that you can move into somebody else's space, that sends a message like I'm I'm entitled to your space. And so noticing just, yeah, no, noticing that idea of how, how much of my own space am I taking up and am I taking up everybody else's space as well by moving into their space and, and touching them. It's just a great sensitivity. And like, I still touch people, you know, but it's, but, but I notice it. I notice when it's like, oh no, not, not now. You know, or this is this is not the time, and to rein it in. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's it. That's the that's the line of demarcation. There, it's I'm more sensitive, and I haven't had a shit ton of of uh, interactions with people since we met. But I am more sensitive. Even the night of the final night with the party, I was yeah. sensitive about like when when we left, and you and you and 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 Brittany and I had been sitting there talking all night. I got up and I put my arms out like hug or are we going to shake hands or you know i wanted to you know so i'm <laughs> not I, make any assumptions going forward that's exactly right going forward i'm trying to be more uh c- clued in to the cues that other people are sending mm-hmm. would we say that you're trying to be more mindful would we say that? <laughs> how fucking dare you no we're not gonna say that <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's it. I guess that's it. So the message that I'm taking away from all this is that I should have done the class. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm that's what I'm taking away from this. Well, I tell you what, uh, Lisa, you, you got connected and I know you, you've got a personal connection to the company, but you you've been connected to a, a pretty solid group of people with Patreon. Um yeah, I- I was impressed. I was impressed with with uh, just the, the 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 caliber of character from from every single person I met who works for the company. And um, man, me too. Those people are doing good things in the world, and they're they're leading with their hearts. I love it. They're like doing good stuff. Well, I think the other thing is, um, they're honest and open about the the fuck-ups that they make. Like recently, and I don't know how connected you are, but they did this thing with pa- with with uh, Patreon. With uh, the fees. With fees, and they were going Service to... Fees. Yeah, like it was going to help the creators a little bit more, and they were, but they were going to tack on the fees to the to the Patreon supporters. And there was there was pushback, and I think they re-evaluated what they were doing, and they sent an email out and said, hey, we, we fucked up. We're, we're sorry. Um, going forward, we're going to be a lot more aggressive and in tune to how how this affects everybody else and not just the company. And I I believe that with every fiber of my being that a guy like Jack is going to fucking put that into place. So 
Totally. So yeah. Jack and I know each other because we did improv together in college. Like we know each other. From oh, wow. Hmm. And I love, I got that email and I loved it. And it reminded me of this idea. So I think one of the things out in the world is the idea that you can't let anybody know that you've made a mistake. And so there's, there's this, it's so rare to get emails like that. I think partly because people are so reticent to be like, Oh no, I was wrong about that. And the, the beauty and the way, the way that that move and sort of leading with a vulnerability of like, Hey, heads up, we fucked up. This was not the right thing. We get it now. We're going to make it better. Instill so much more trust in them than yeah. if they had pretended that everything was fine and carried on because they didn't want to look like they did something wrong. It's like so cool. It is It is uh, something I've tried to put into practice here on this show with the audience because we get called out by, you know, the we've got a phone number. People leave us voicemails. They send us voice memos from their smartphones. And yeah, I, uh, I get called out for being wrong or being a dick or having a wrong opinion. And I really do try to be earnest about saying, yeah, I, I was wrong. And it's okay to fucking be wrong. If we're, yeah. if you're never wrong, if no one is ever going to change their mind or ever come around on anything, then what the fuck is the use of having a discussion, especially in tenuous times like we live with Donald Trump as president? You, you know, if the other side is never going to change then his approval rating is never going to go down. It's always <laughs> going to be static and the same, and it, everything's futile. And I don't believe that. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm an optimist. I'm learning. Well, in addition to the email making um, Jack seem very trustworthy and um, just being a, a good thing to do, it's also modeling for other people that that's an okay thing to do. And like Lisa said, it's so rare. I mean, that's part of the problem that we have on the internet where everyone is like fighting in the comments and no one is ever saying, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I should take that into consideration. You know, you never see that. Um, yeah. E even though that is something that's more likely to happen face to face there should be far more of admitting yeah i shouldn't have put it like that or i shouldn't have done that i shouldn't have said that um we need to see more of that and i'm glad that he put it out there just own it fucking own yeah. it yeah we all make mistakes it's fine <laughs> and there's a way in which the way you show up in an interaction sets a standard or gives permission or gives signals for the way other people feel that they can show up and so this whole modeling accepting responsibility for a fuck up feels like, oh, exactly what you just said. Oh, then we can, oh, then that, maybe that's okay that when I'm wrong, yeah. I, I, it's not so deeply personally threatening to admit that I made a mistake. It's like, oh no, they did that and they're still okay. So that's like a human, that's a human thing to do. The way we show up signals like, hey, you could show up this way too. It's good. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lisa Rowland, everybody. Yo, good thank times. You so much. That's <laughs> great to reconnect with you both. This is so fun. Yeah. So, uh, are you? Um, how much traveling do you do? Are you? You have any any things coming up? Are you? I, I guess maybe I'm maybe I'm slowly getting around to ask the question: Are you going to be in Southern California anytime soon? <laughs> but I was. In, I can't actually. I can't believe this because I was in LA last weekend. Yeah. And I was there because of a festival. There was a narrative improv festival. So I did I taught a workshop and about a format that I came up with and I did and I did some shows and stuff like that. And I didn't tell you. 
<laughs> I should have told you. I totally forgot. How uh, dare you? But I'm sort of blissfully home for a while. The next thing that I'm doing is going. I'm. I and we'll spend March in Singapore. That's oh, my next big travel. Nice for for vacation or for work? No, for work. For work, I I am a part of a group that does uses improv to teach design thinking, innovation, and creativity to educators, and that's what I'm going there for. Wow. Well, that's. God damn, that's uh, world traveler and educator, Lisa Rowland. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts, though. I don't even believe it's my life. It's crazy. So where can people find you? Oh, they can go to lisaroland.com. And Roland is R-O-W-L-A-N-D, lisaroland.com. And there's info and shows and classes and things like that there. So that would be a good place. And I'm also on Facebook. Lisa Roland Improviser is where you can find me there. We will have all of that in the show notes, as well as a link to your Monster Baby podcast. Do you have a <laughs> Do you have a website yeah. for the Do you have a website for the podcast, or is it just? Uh... You can go to monsterbabypodcast.com. All right, all of this is valuable information in the <laughs> yeah, in sure the is. in the age in which we live. Well. <laughs> Hopefully, we've converted some people to be super excited when their company is putting on an improv class. Yes, I hope. I hope that. Yes, give a gift to your improv trainer and be excited <laughs> instead of instead of skeptical. Well, I hope that. I hope we've turned the corner on um, mindfulness, maybe a little bit with our audience, and also admitting your goddamn mistakes. It is okay. You're human. It is expected for you to fuck it up. Yay. And own, own your it. failure. Own your failure. It's good. That's yeah, awesome. Well, since you neglect us when you're in Southern California, <laughs> I I want to make you a promise that when we are in Northern California, yes. we will not be so egregious. Mm-hmm. We will get a hold of you and go out and have a drink or something. Yes. I love that. I would love that. Please, please, please do. Awesome. Lisa, thank you for joining us. We uh, we appreciate you, and I I was thrilled to get to talk to you again. Yes, me too. Me too. Me too. Thank you so much. So another successful bonus episode, <laughs> jam packed, full of useful information. I think some of that stuff is kind of useful. Well, I'm not. I I think it's useful too. What, oh, do you think I I'm you shitting to... on the episode <laughs> no, I after we do were... it? Maybe you're like trying to convince me no, of its usefulness. No, I think it's useful. <laughs> and we introduce the audience to an awesome person that they can yeah. now follow and um, go listen to Monster Baby, follow her on Facebook, support a very worthy person. <laughs> yeah, a talented and uh, kind hearted. This is one of the good ones. Yes, yes. All of our bonus content up to this point the bad ones. Fuck those people. <laughs> this is the one. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to leave you there. We love you guys. We appreciate you. If you would like to support this kind of bonus content and the other kinds that aren't quite as awesome as this, we would love to have you on board as part of our Patreon family to help support us and help us produce this kind of stuff. Go to dollamore.com slash Patreon. It'll redirect you. Get all the deets there that you need. Also, it is still the waning days of the Christmas season. If you want to buy some gifts for your family on Amazon, don't be shy. Go to dollamore.com slash Amazon. Every little bit goes a long way. 
we we get a little percentage and you're not going to pay any more. We would love to have you support the show that way too. We love you. We will see you next time. And until then, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. <laughs> How fucking dare you? No, we're not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs>